I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com along with Luke Monger and Chris Fetters. We are in Autzen Stadium where Washington goes down to defeat in overtime to Oregon 30-27 to in front of a very, very loud sellout crowd of 58,691 who not only were loud but arrived on time, stayed the entire game, and were on their feet the entire game. Um, you know, and I know Husky fans don't want to hear this, but uh, it's a really good game atmosphere down here. I think everybody in college football would like to have an atmosphere like they've created down here. You may not like it, but, uh, boy, the fans sure get into it, and it's a good time. Uh, game time, uh, three hours and 43 minutes with the first quarter alone lasting nearly a minute. Chris, uh, what was going on in the first quarter? Nearly that, a minute? Nearly an hour. Did I say a minute? You said a minute. Oh, nearly an hour, uh, you know, for that first quarter. So what was going on the first quarter? I know there was a lot of guys going down with injuries. Well, there was that, and then there was also the idea that, um, you know, I mean, there was some Keystone Cop stuff with the officials. Like, they weren't, like, on the fumble on the kickoff with Tony Brooks James. They couldn't figure out whether – because there was an offside – but then they couldn't figure out. They didn't. It didn't. I don't know. It just from here now. Maybe on TV it was a lot clearer. But here in the in the in the press box, that that was about as clear as mud. Couldn't figure anything out, and it took them a review to get it right. So I don't know. I mean, it was just kind of weird. And on that play, it was actually pretty funny because the referee turned on his microphone, his PA mic, and everybody in the stadium could hear it, and he didn't realize it was on. And then when he went to make the call. Instead of turning it on, he went to turn it off, and that's when he figured out. But we could hear the entire discussion down in the field. I don't know if you could hear it up here, but uh, a lot of guys went down with injuries. And, um, you know, Chris, I don't know if you guys could tell, or Luke, whether you guys could tell up here. It was a hard hitting football game. Well, you could tell. I mean, the, you know, they lose two, Oregon loses two linemen in the first half with uh, Dallas Warmick and, and Pene Sewell, their true freshman left tackle. I think Sewell came back in, then he got hurt again. Um, so there was some real banging going on inside, and, and I know Washington fans are really frustrated with the lack of pass rush and things like that, but the, the, the guys in the trenches, I mean, they were, they were fighting. I mean, it was a real scrap inside. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then, obviously, on Washington's point of view, you know, Miles Gaskin getting banged up in the first half trying to come back, and then, you know, he wasn't able to go. And then, um, obviously, Savon gets hurt in the second half, and they really had to rely on Sean McGrew and, and Kamari Pleasant near, near the end. And I thought both those guys did a heck of a job. I, Luke, you sat in the stands. You didn't come up in the press box. You sat in the stands. Tell me what you saw uh, from the stands and just how crazy was it? Because that was as loud as field as I've heard in a long, long time down there. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was definitely everything that it's advertised to be. It was very loud. Um, everyone was engaged the whole time. It was it was a fun atmosphere to be a part of, for sure. Uh and it was fun to watch. I mean, they, they showed the decibel reader on some third downs, and I think I saw it hit 105. And in kind of an open-faced 58,000-seat stadium, that's very impressive. Like, that is that is absolutely rocking. I was going to say, compare that to, what was it, 91, 92? So it was 92 in Seattle when they were playing Nebraska, and I think it got up to, like, 120, 125, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that will give you an indication of the difference between what the jaws can do in terms yeah. of holding sound in, you're right. This is very open air. It's kind of very much um, like kind of Michigan Stadium. You know, very you know, just a lot of open space. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely loud on the field. Really, like when they missed uh, when they missed the field goal at the end, Washington. You know, it was really really loud. And then obviously when they score at the end, everyone just exploded. It was crazy. Jake Brown. Uh, yeah. Browning. Was- 
What did I say? Brown. No, Jake Brennan. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time to wake up. Jake. Yeah, I know. We can give you a second cup of coffee today if you need yeah, one. Yeah, Jake Browning, uh, first series, throws an interception. Uh, I'm not sure what he was thinking when he threw that ball. What would you see up well, here? Well, it was, it was crazy because if people remember the first play that Justin Herbert, yeah. in the 2016 game, he threw a pick that was picked by Buda Baker. Yeah. And so for Jake Browning to do it on his first pass of this game, I don't know if it was kind of karma or if it was just kind of part of the atmosphere, but it was um, it was a crazy thing. I mean, it was very crazy, and I thought it was a real testament to Washington to hold Oregon to three points. Uh, and I thought it was a real win for them at that time because, you know, you give up the coin to- – well, you don't give up the coin toss, but you lose the coin toss, you get the ball, and then you immediately give the ball to Oregon at home. They're psyched. I mean, they're fired up. And then to you know if they give them a touchdown right away, you know this whole this whole game could have changed for sure. Well, I mean, but you think about kind of how the, the first couple series of the game went, uh, for, like for Oregon offensively, they score on their first two possessions, obviously because after Washington kicks their field goal, Tony Brooks James fumbles, but then they get the ball back and score a touchdown. Both of their first two possessions they started in plus territory, yeah. so it wasn't until their final drive of the half that they were able actually to drive the length of the field and then score. And then obviously in the second half it felt like their offense found a little bit more of a rhythm. Uh, so I, I kind of see it like, I don't know, maybe two sides of the same coin. They hold them to three instead of seven. That could be a lot different. But then they never put themselves in that situation where it's short field and the score of that first half could have been a lot more lopsided or different. Yeah, you know, giving up only the three on that turnover and then them uh, being able to take a 10 to, 10 to 3 lead. I thought Washington, you know, uh, did a really good job in the first half. I think that that Oregon scoring drive at the end of the half was pretty much a killer. Washington again, you know, and it's just been the same thing, you know, um, all season long. Again, just difficulty stopping opponents on third down. Oregon, again, was 50%, 9 of 18 today, and a lot of those, um, you know, were big, 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 you know, failures to stop. And, you know, I think the key to the game was when um, Jalen Johnson got thrown out of the game for targeting, where I'm not sure if, um, you know, that really, you can really fault Jalen Johnson on that. Herbert was running the other way and turned around, and uh, he more or less ran into Jalen Johnson than Jalen was targeting. I don't remember, was it Levi? Was it Anzarike that pressured him? Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so when Anzarike pressured him to the point where he had to turn around, he literally turned right into Jalen. And Jalen was just kind of standing straight up. And when you're standing straight up like that, and those guys are relatively the same height. Size, yeah. Um, you know, not the same size, but the same height. Yeah, okay, true. That, that, that <laughs> there's going to be a problem. And so is it, it's really hard to fault Jalen Johnson. I mean, it's just super bad luck. But that, was a, that was on a key third down. Well, no, it was. I mean, they, they get him um, or they throw the ball away or something. The chances are if there's not a penalty called on that play, I mean, it's they're punting. I mean, it's just that simple, and that could that could have really changed the game around, and obviously it did change the game for Oregon a little bit. I can't remember what the final they went down part of that. Did they score on that drive? Because yeah. there was the one drive before that, I think, where they drove down, and then Washington held up, and they missed the field goal. Oregon did. So, um, you know, they, I just think ultimately when it comes down to it, you're going you're gonna to mention the stats, Kim. I think the stats will show two super, super balanced teams. I mean, they were not that far apart on most statistics. No, I mean, it was a missed field goal away. I mean, that's what this game came down to. And when you do take a look at the stats, you know, uh, net rushing yards, I thought Oregon did a really good job, but they didn't rush for as many yards as Washington did. Oregon had 177 net yards. Washington had 194 total offensive yards. Washington now gained Oregon 437 to 
1979. One uh, stat that's kind of a little bit surprising with Washington having the edge on both total yards and rushing yards. Oregon had more offensive plays, 81 to 70. I don't know if you caught that or not, but um, well, they did in the second half because the first half I think they both ended up with 38. Eight, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah, and then uh, you know, start of the third quarter, Oregon got the ball in the uh, start of the third quarter, and they held the ball for 10 minutes, and Washington only had it for uh, you know a little less than five minutes. But third quarter was key to Oregon coming back um, again. Two weeks in a row. I mean, yeah. same thing happened at UCLA for sure. Yeah, and again, you know, the reason that they dominated that is because of the third down conversions yeah. where they were 9 of 18 and Washington was 6 of 13. Still a pretty good percentage. But the other uh, stat that really uh, shines out, too, Oregon was um, 3 of 3 on fourth down. Yeah, no, I mean, there were some, you know, some key moments. Um, there was one where the 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 – ball where it was placed was very, very close. So yeah. I think there was one maybe debatable fourth down that yeah. maybe Washington could have gotten the ball back, but the other two were clear first downs. And, um, you know, give credit to, to Cristobal and his, and his staff for mm-hmm. having the guts to, to go for those situations because I know Washington, mm-hmm. I think the, the coaching staff's getting criticized for their end of game for settling for the field goal attempt instead of, you know, it was third and one, you know, they had 30-some seconds or whatever was left. They had a chance to maybe push it through, maybe get a little closer, that kind of thing. I mean, we can talk a little bit about that. But, I mean, ultimately, I think, um, again, the way you listed off those stats, Kim, pretty even game. Yeah, there again, you know, another key to the game, too, was on fourth fourth down where they rushed to the line of scrimmage and there's a bobbled snap and Washington yeah. fails to convert on fourth down. And that was a huge play as well. Absolutely. No, that was a, that was a big momentum killer. Um, you could tell how, how fired up the fans were. I mean, here it was just absolutely deafening. I mean, you, that, I mean, they needed that in a big way. Oregon did, and um, you know that was kind of one of those situations where Washington, you know, they're usually pretty good, pretty veteran, pretty savvy about um, you know executing the details on a play like that and maybe trying to catch Oregon off guard. But if I remember correctly, wasn't there a little bit of a hitch yeah. where they couldn't get to the line as fast as they initially oh, yeah, wanted to? I think the uh, official was, was holding them up, and then uh, and then Drew Sample it, like was motioning, and they needed to bring uh, Jacob Kaiser in off the sideline. They right. only had ten in the huddle, at, or like at, at initially they only had ten people out there. So there were, and then even it, it looked like at least from from my perspective that the snap might have been mishandled a little bit or something. But the, it definitely looked unclean for a play that even as recently as last week was just dynamite. For yeah, Brownie definitely that, didn't get the, the any snap. Of that, any of that? Any of that impacted by the crowd? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking to Nick Harris after the game, he felt really good about how clean they played. You know, and there not a ton of procedure things, not you know, not not a ton of snap issues. But again, if you're only going to have one snap issue, that's not the time to do it. Is on the fourth and one when you're when you're driving and you're relatively deep into uh, Oregon territory. So yeah, um, Washington with five penalties for 38 yards, Oregon seven for seven 70. So that's 10 yards per penalty. I can pretty much guarantee every one of those was a holding call. Well, there was some holding downfield for sure, and then they had a couple clutch holds where that really affected their down and distance. Yeah. And then I think one of them they were able to overcome, and maybe one they weren't. But yeah, overall. Um, I just thought that the officials tried to swallow the whistles as much as possible in terms of the holding and whatnot, because you could probably guarantee you could call holding a lot of uh, a lot of those plays today. But I think the ones they did call on, on Oregon were pretty much kind of isolated, like their bootlegs where, you know, 
uh, Herbert which would fake and then he'd counter the other way. And so there would be a lot of one-on-one situations. And then the Washington player would try to rush and then the, the Oregon player hold, was holding in space. So it made the call pretty pretty blatant, pretty obvious to call. Miles Gaskin, 15 carries for 69 yards. Savan Ahmed with uh, 11 carries for 61 yards. Sean McGrew with a nice game. He had eight carries for 30 yards. Kamari Pleasant uh, had four carries for 30 yards. Big one uh, in overtime. Drew Sample had four receptions for 79 yards. Ty Jones, two for 55 with a touchdown. Aaron Fuller, two catches for 15 yards. They really held Aaron Fuller in check today. Yeah, no, they did. They they tried to take one of the at least one of the receivers out, and 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 you could tell. I mean, Jake Brownie had a lot of, of time to throw. I mean, I know the Washington fans are are um, frustrated with how much time uh, Herbert had to throw, but Jake Brownie had time to throw. They both had just eons yeah. of time and space to throw that ball today. Uh, I thought both offensive lines did a really really good job uh, for the most part, and um, yeah, I, I I don't know if Jake was necessarily hesitant. Uh, throwing the ball downfield that much. I think he opened it up maybe a little bit more in the second half, and you saw how it was kind of dirty a little bit in the in the in the game down the field. Like the one the one play out to McGrew in the flat near the Oregon sideline where he kind of caught it in between two Oregon players and yeah. was able to jet up field. They I think the Oregon guys thought they had they were gonna get a pick on that one. Jake had a lot of time, you know, at times out there, but a lot of that was due to Oregon dropping eight and Jake had nowhere to throw the ball. Well, sometimes, but I think for the most part, he did a nice job of, of, of kind of elongating the plays and, and doing some good escapability. I, I thought pre-game, I thought Oregon would try to maybe rush to the point where they were kind of congesting him in the middle so that he'd have no choice but to go backwards. And that happened a couple times early in the game, and I thought maybe Washington did a nice job of adjusting some of their protections and doing some of those things to allow him some, some movement out to the side. And then he did a nice job, and I think like Kate Otten did a nice job. I thought uh, Drew Sample did a nice job, where there were some scramble plays where they were able to get open, and they kind of ha- they were on the same page together to to make some plays downfield. C.J. Vardell, uh, the running back from Oregon, twenty nine carries, which is a lot for one hundred and eleven net yards with two touchdowns. Uh, Travis Dye with fifteen carries for sixty seven yards. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, eighteen for thirty two for two hundred two and two touchdowns. Wouldn't say he had a great game. I think he had some great plays, but I wouldn't call it a great game by Justin Herbert. Um, Dylan Mitchell, I don't know if you guys caught some of this on uh, postgame. Dylan Mitchell was the leading receiver for Oregon. He had eight carries for 119 yards, and he was pretty much telling the media, we'll have to get some of the quotes, but uh, he was um, yeah. accusing some of the Washington receivers of going after his head. What did you hear on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dylan Mitchell was saying something about... Was it Byron Murphy? Yeah, uh, Byron Murphy... Uh, Jordan Miller, Keith Taylor, any of those guys. But he definitely said that there was some – it sounded like he was implying that there was foul play and some dirty talking, too, from Washington's defensive backfield. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that there was some chirping, but to well, go out and say – They are called death row for a reason. Yeah. yeah we'll have but to, I mean, to go out and say that to imply targeting is – it's an interesting. We'll have to it's get, an interesting thing to do. Yeah, for we'll sure. have to clarify that with some of the post game uh, stuff when we get those from Oregon. Um, also, uh, Miles Gaskin. You know, it looks like he dinged his shoulder last week against UCLA. Coach Pete said he was going to be fine. He looked okay, but uh, you know, uh, early in the second quarter, he went into the injury tent. I don't know what it was looking like from the sideline, Kim, but it sure looked to me like that pass to the flat where it was basically like a no gain or one yard gain. It looked to me like whoever the defender was for Oregon really laid on him 
and pile drive, you know, that, that shoulder just did a little pile driver right in the ground. And I think that's where it got redinged up. I just think that that, yeah. that was kind of the beginning of the issues. And then obviously he gets it taped up, comes back second half, um, goes after it gamely, but, you know, there's just a, there's just so much you can do. Yeah, Siobhan Ahmed also got dinged. Was it the third quarter he got dinged? I think that's right, third, third or, or really early fourth. He did come back into the game, but uh, he was pretty much a non-factor after that, you know, more or less a decoy more than anything else on a package. Um, you know, Kamari Pleasant in the overtime had a really nice run. So, you know, not, I, th- I thought it was a nice job by the uh, running backs you know, with uh, 45 carries for 194 yards, the average 4.3 yards per carry. Oregon, you know, with uh, 49 rushes, averaged 3.6, so I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I think the most important thing there is that Bush Hamden didn't give up on it, because there were a lot of first down f- for two yards, first down for three yards, first down for two yards, first down for a yard. There weren't there weren't a ton of really good first down run carries that gave them uh, second and short. I mean, most of the time, if it was a good run, it was usually second and six, second and five. So um, not too many second and shorts that they could have really gone to town on. I think one of the plays where it was like second and medium was when they did the kind of the double uh, flea flicker pass back oh, yeah. to, to pass from Browning to Sample. I think that was one of the reason, reasonable second down and mediums that kind of allowed Bush to open up the playbook a little bit, kind of go, get a little creative. Yeah, I don't know if Ben Burkirvin is leading the country in tackles, but if he's not, he's got to be right up there. 19 tackles again today. 19 tackles again for Ben Burkirvin. Uh, Tevis Bartlett with 12 tackles. Taylor Rapp with 9. Levi Anwuzrike with 8. Uh, Greg Gaines at the tackle position with 7. So, you know, you take a look at that defensive line. You know, 8 tackles for Levi and um, 7 for Greg Gaines. That's quite a bit for your interior lineman. But then again, Oregon did run 81 plays. They did, and they, they, they ran a lot of inside, you know, inside zone off that pistol and so I think you know credit to Gaines and Levi they, they did a nice job of really bottling that up for the most part it was unfortunate that very last play of the game was kind of that fly motion where they were expecting a pass according to to the to the Washington players and um, you know he was able to kind of go right up the middle they didn't have a stop for that uh, but for the most part I think um, you know they were able to bottle up some of that stuff pretty pretty good inside, and obviously those tackles attest to that. Anything to be concerned with with Washington's running back depth, with uh, Miles being hurt like he is? Um, Savon went down. He came back into the game. That leaves you pretty much with Kamari Pleasant and um, Sean McGrew as your two running backs. And with the transfer Braxton, is he sitting? Is he redshirt? Is he having to sit out? Uh, with no, uh, Malik Braxton, here. at least he played. He, he played in, today. He was yeah, here. and he played in a game at least earlier this year. I think the North Dakota. Wait, North Dakota. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's always a concern when you lose players like Miles and Savon, but uh, you can't be anything but impressed from what you saw from Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant. I thought that they both came in and were gritty. Uh, Sean did a great job a couple times of reversing fields in the backfield, and then almost Miles Gaskin-esque kind of slipping his way through what could have been a loss of one or two and turning it into a gain of four or five, and then obviously Kamari Pleasant uh, showed what he can do on that first run of overtime. Uh, kind of with how physical he is, pilot or like just driving his way down to the five or six yard line. Obviously, yep. Washington is able to punch it in from there. But I was, I was going to say too that you know with the four games that you can play before you redshirt, could we see Richard Newton? Mm-hmm. It's possible. I mean, well, he's yeah. gotten six, seven weeks of practice now, and well, is it his, possible? His arm's been in a sling. 
Well, I okay. <laughs> so then he's not. So that means you'll maybe see more Blink Braxton. You might see um, who are there are there other ones besides uh, Braxton. Not really Trey Lowe. Well, he's a receiver, but well, yeah, you could but I, you could use Trey Lowe because he played a lot of running back, back in, in high school. school. Yeah, and Trey Lowe was out actually here in street clothes, so I'm guessing that he paid his own way here. Um, also, just how much did they miss Austin Joyner? Well, in terms of the defense, yeah, I think on special teams it might have shown up at least with that big kick return. Yeah, because uh, Austin Joyner is definitely a stalwart on special teams. Yeah, on I defense mean, it was harder to tell, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and it was tough too because that that first kick to, to Tony Brooks James that really allowed them to score uh, early in the game. Oregon, I mean, it was just dead against the wind, and you could tell how that really influenced the rest of their kicks into that West End mm-hmm. for the rest of the game. I mean, they did the popovers. And they did it to the to the other guy. So they were they were more than willing to give up a ball at the thirty yard line or thirty five yard line instead of allowing Brooks James. So that was a big. I thought that was a big factor in the game that Oregon was able to exploit early before Washington could make any adjustments. We always look at the participation report and the stat sheets that we get at the end of the game, and uh, the participation reports aren't always accurate. But they're showing Kyler Gordon played today. He did. He played on special teams. Yeah. Okay. And it was interesting, you know, as much as. Guys were getting really physical and banged up on the on the lines of scrimmage, and you know, like again, Oregon loses their two guys. I was actually really supl- surprised that Tuli, Lichuli uh, Noah, or Sam Taimani, who both came to Watson and they were suited up and they practiced and they warmed up and did all that stuff. I'm a little surprised they didn't play. Yeah, you know, and when you talk about defensive line, you know, Washington's depth isn't real deep on the defensive line, specifically now because they've lost Shane Bowman and then. Um, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson, you know, got yeah, he got kicked out of the game for uh, targeting. So Washington's depth there isn't really good, and when you have short depth on the defensive line, boy, that can lead to what we saw at the end of the game. You know, that uh, big hole opening up, the parting of the sea, which led to Oregon's winning touchdown. Well, and there were a couple plays, um, you know, win Oregon, especially in the third quarter, when guys were starting to wear down a little bit, and guys like John Clark were playing a little bit more. Um, uh, Bronson was uh, Josiah Bronson was able, was playing a little bit more, and there were some situations where guys like Bronson they they could have maybe stopped some guys a little shorter by the line of scrimmage, and maybe there was an arm tackle or just kind of the things that you might see from a guy that's not starting but maybe in the second uh, yeah. the second team or the third team where the the talent and the the quality maybe just isn't quite up to what you would see out of a starter. I know they try to train these guys up to be like starters, but Sometimes it's the little details there that kind of show up, and I saw a couple things with with some of those backups where, you know, if if a Shane Bowman was in there, for instance, maybe that doesn't happen. Reese uh, Porter missing the kick at the end of the game. Reese Porter, Peyton Henry. Peyton Henry. I'm sorry. No worries. I'm tired. Long day. I'm tired. You're tired? Yeah. (laughs) You get to drive home. I know. Uh, (laughs) Peyton Henry missing the kick. Um, You know, the Oregon called the timeout to freeze him, and the kick, he got the kickoff. And did he miss that the first one? The very, very first one he missed wide right, and then he buried the second one right through the middle. So we were. I was joking with the with the security people, right? Because I was literally underneath, and I took a video of the of the third kick as it was going. Because I figured, well, that would be a good good one to have for the for the files. But then he misses. So um, yeah, I mean, he both of those kicks were just hair to the right. They weren't far off. But 
again, 37-yard kick, you know, and, and, he, and he buried the one right before. I was just thinking, just do, just do that. Just do whatever yeah. you did. But you know what? I mean, that's there's so much pressure on that. And oh, I know yeah. no I know way. the fans are just going to go, screw that. You know, he should be burying that kick. I get it. I get it. But until you're in that situation, you couldn't possibly know what that kid's going through. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but the wind definitely kicked up on that third kick. Well, probably. And, and again, I'm not going to – if they, they, they were going with the wind, Cam. I mean, yeah. that, you know, I asked Chris Peterson about that specifically, and he said we knew the wind at halftime was going to be a big problem, so we were willing to give up whatever we needed to in the third quarter so we could have the wind – in the fourth quarter. And so, obviously, you want a shorter kick if you can possibly get there. I think that's where the criticism of not doing something on the third and one, for instance. And now Chris Peterson's answer for that post game because we asked him, and he said they just did not have a play that they felt comfortable with that they wanted to go with. And I don't, you know, that's open to interpretation. I don't know. I'm not in the huddle. But I can say that, um, you know, if you leave it up to, a, uh, to, to the kid to make a 37-yarder to win the game, I think Peyton Henry's going to make that kick more often than not. He just didn't make it today. Yeah, you know, this game came down to a few plays. Jake Browning's interception, the fumble on the snap, uh, Peyton Henry's um, uh, missed kick, as well as uh, having, what was it, third and 20 in overtime, and Justin Herbert just making one hell of a throw uh, to get uh, first down on third and 20. So, um, well, no, I think it was more like third and 11, but yeah. Yeah, third and 11. Because of the holding. Because of the holding. Because of the yeah, you know, and he showed the arm, which has the you know the NFL scouts drooling. But you know, it's a tough loss on the road. You know, yeah. physical football game, and uh, yeah, you would have liked to walked away with a win, but it's a tough football game. You know, and you know, unfortunately, we go out to the message boards, and uh, I think I think the site's burning down, Chris. I think they burned <laughs> it down. So, you know, five and two team, it's yeah. amazing, right? Yeah, number so. seven in the country, and you, you come down here, and I I guarantee you. I mean, and of course, I'm I'm looking at it from kind of an unbiased point of view, and maybe this is my final thought on it. But I asked Chris Peterson was you know about the idea that this could have been exactly what the Pac-12 needed in terms of perception, in terms of reputation, mm-hmm. because it's taken so many hits, and it seems like we're you know the, as a conference we're beating each other up just time and time again every week. And I, he goes, yeah, I mean we're biased, but we think we're one of the best conferences in the country. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that this game did anything to dispel that fact. And if anything, in front of a national crowd, this is exactly the kind of game this conference needed. Take a, don't take away anything from Oregon or Washington. Either way, you go to overtime, you're taking your chances. And Washington had a chance to take, take, take that away. They weren't able to do it. It was a details thing. They'll obviously clean that stuff up, and they'll get after Colorado. Colorado undefeated going into next week, so final. Well, at least until we, I mean, they're playing USC yeah, today, so yeah. we don't, what, I don't know what's yeah, going to happen with that. Your long statement before that, was that your final thoughts, or do you have That's something? That's my final, yeah, 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 I've bored people enough. <laughs> All right, Luke Munger, any final thoughts? Um, I guess the one thing that stood out listening to Coach Peterson after the game for me was him saying uh, they feel like one play can win a game, but it's not one that loses a game. Uh, you look back, there are opportunities uh, when, like, Dylan Mitchell fumbles and it, it kind of rolls harmlessly out of bounds. There are a couple of interceptions that were in yeah. and out of the hands of some defensive backs. You mentioned the fourth down with Jake Browning uh, on the sneak that had been so effective. But there's just opportunities, uh, but it happens. And honestly, it sucks. Obviously, no, no Husky fan wants to lose to their rival, especially like that. Uh, but, you know, I've been alive for 22 years, and most of my conscious life I haven't seen it, and even an evenly – 
matched rivalry. So this is kind of exciting. You know, maybe there'll be some like traded punches. It'll be it'll, it'll be fun to see. Well, it certainly adds something to, to next year's game. Yeah, for sure. He was one year old when we started Dogman.com in yeah. 1997. Oh no, and I, and I will <laughs> say, and, and you guys, and you guys can you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the game that Oregon fans and Washington fans have been screaming for since 2000. It's been that long. Now, obviously, Oregon fans want the blowouts. Washington fans want the blowouts when they go in their favor. Yeah. But in terms of a, a true rivalry, bitter anger, all this stuff. I think this delivered in spades. I mean, I think it was a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. Oregon with a bye week coming in, well-rested. Washington a little beat up with their running back situation, losing their defensive linemen. Um, You know, it was just a tight football game, you know. So, um, boy, you know, the win would have been nice, but, you know, they lost the football game, you know, just a couple of bad breaks here and there, and, you know, it goes a different direction. So, anyways, we're going to wrap it all up. We'll be back on Sports Radio 950K. JR Wednesday night from 7 to 8 and then again next Saturday no radio show but there will be a 12:30 kickoff time with Colorado hopefully have the California game time announced on Monday so for all of us at dogman.com I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Luke Monger go dogs <laughs>